Hi, and welcome back to the Hope of Mom and Dad podcast. I'm Becky, and this is... Fuzzlet. And we are on episode 44. So this podcast, as you know, is all about infertility, IVF, and trying to conceive in general. Um, episode 44. Two episodes ago, episode 41, we announced that we are pregnant, finally. Big news. Big, big news. And I just wanted to mention how amazing it's been, all the love and support that we've received since sharing the news um socially on the podcast and everything very very nice so nice lots of kind words so many kind words and we really really just appreciate how much people have been cheering us on and rallying around us and just rooting for us because it really makes a difference and for lots of people in this community it can be quite lonely but Uh, and also we kind of like had the worst way of like we've been sitting on it for ages because we've got the podcast like most people they just go ah this me like it's not just because we got the podcast it's because of what has happened um so the reason i mean i'm 23 weeks tomorrow so we can say 23 (laughs) and the rest yeah so we're over halfway so it's a bit unconventional for us to have announced it this late but the reason for for doing that is because there was a delay in us making the episodes to start off with then we had that huge scare that we talked about in episode 42 and a car crash and then in episode 43 we fill you in on the car crash that we had so it's just been one thing after another and the fridge um, broke as well yeah that's just as big a deal as the rest of them <laughs> it was for we you. need to get the fridge in there because we've yeah. got a brand new fridge but when the fridge got delivered it was it was smashed new. up and broken because nothing works <laughs> nothing yeah. works so it has been a trying time um and we haven't been keeping it a secret from you on purpose our dog's broke she's actually a kitten we found out <laughs> <laughs> thought we had a spring of spaniel this time it's a cat yeah yeah so um everything's faulty everything's faulty but we're glad yeah oh my god you can't recover well i can't recover come on then we finally shared our news and i'm really glad that we have (laughs) that's one of our pet names for the dog kitten sticks yeah come on back so yeah together come on get lost So, um, yeah, we're glad that it's out in the open now and we can start talking. We can can talk about our kitten sticks. We can start talking to you about the pregnancy and how it's been going and just share the news because, you know, we will be sharing about that. And we hope you don't mind. Keep it together. Keep it together. Come on. Mm. Keep it together. I like saying that because then you start laughing and then it's... Mm. So, Becky's very pregnant. She's... um, she keeps saying, do I look pregnant? Do I look pregnant? And then she's like, oh, I look too pregnant. I look too pregnant. No, I no... don't. I say, I, I look fat. I don't look pregnant. No, you look glowing. <laughs> that means I look fat. No. Yeah. Your little bump is becoming uh, quite a big bump. Like when I hug you, there's like a beach ball in between us. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's like it. But you I are think like, I've got oh. imposter syndrome. And I keep thinking... That I don't feel like I feel pregnant because it goes flat. Anyway, we're super anyway. lucky. Super lucky to be pregnant. Super grateful. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's so. interesting. No, let's talk about that for a little bit. You are very like, oh, do I look pregnant? Oh, I'm not pregnant enough. Mm. I am. And you were like, I still don't believe it. And you were looking on your app. You're like, I better get on my app because that's what pregnant people do. And I better <laughs> make sure that I'm doing the pregnant stuff because, yeah. yeah. You are definitely looking pregnant now. Yeah, but I'm very much still in denial. And I think that's one of those sad things that infertility does to you. Look, how can you be in denial? 
Look, look at you. <laughs> look at you. You've got a bump you can't see on camera. Yeah. I mean, I just, look like, I just look like Father Christmas. I just look fat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's us and where we you're are. You're enjoying so, it, aren't you? You're like, yeah, I've been really you like fortunate. like being pregnant. Apart from the scares, I've been really, really fortunate. I haven't had any horrible symptoms. Mm. The baby's been very kind to me. Um, so, yeah, I can't complain. Very um, lucky. Today's episode, we're going to be talking to... Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, we're back to our normal format of um, <clears throat> chatting to other people in this uh, club. and. But to, just to be sort of clear, we can't always chat to other people. And today, was an, I think we need to say thank you again, yeah. because what a nightmare. Poor We've Sarah. Was just... Technical <laughs> issues. Honestly, like I'll, <clears throat> my laptop got um, broken in the car crash. Mm-hmm. And we're doing everything off another machine. And like, basically, if you expect something to work and it should work, it won't. That's our life. In this house. Moment. Yeah. Like, so, um, yeah, we, so I was scrambling around like stuff. mad and it was just Becky because I was there like checking wires and Holding checking fort, things. Oh, basically. and the internet's uh, broke. We're meant to get 500 meg yeah. download speed and we're getting like eight. Yeah. So, yay. <laughs> I'm, I'm so surprised we managed to get it done. Yeah, it was. I was just waiting for something to go wrong. So, but yeah, just to be sort of um, clear, we'll, we're going to try and talk to as many people as we can. But that involves other people actually doing it. <laughs> so that's the bottleneck in it. So we're going to try and speak to loads mm-hmm. of other people. But realistically, it probably will be us some weeks as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. And some weeks we'll have more news, so that's good too. So uh, without. <laughs> Giving too much away, Sarah is a lovely um, lady who we've been introduced to through a mutual friend and um, really nice to get to know her. She's got um, an Instagram page where she creates these beautiful keepsakes and sells them and supports a charity, but I won't tell you you too much more. Yeah, but if you are listening or on YouTube, on your computer and you want to have a little look at the socials while you're listening... You can do that. Yeah, by going to Instagram at Bessie underscore and underscore Jesse. Uh, we'll link it in the podcast. We'll probably notes. put it on the video, but I'm dyslexic, yeah. so I wouldn't trust it. <laughs> but um, we'll see. Anyway, yeah. without further ado. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Hope and Mum and Dad podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to talk to us. You have broken our fast because um, it's been a long time since we've had a guest on the show. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's lovely to have you. Um, just to give everybody a bit of context, um, the reason that I've found you is um, through a mutual friend, isn't it? So we got introduced through a mutual friend. Um, but I believe you do a lot on Instagram. You've got a shop and obviously experience in general in the trying to conceive infertility community. So can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I was quite poorly last year um, following some IVF and um, I didn't sort of reach out to many people in the normal real world. And I thought I'd set up a Instagram page um, and just try and befriend people within the community. Um, So I've got a little infertility um, Instagram page where I reach out and people reach out to me and it's Although it's not a particularly nice club to be in, um, they do have the the best and most loving supporters and and people in the group. Um, And through that, um, with being ill last year, um, I went into quite a foggy depression. um, Mm. And 
I really struggled to get back on my feet physically, mentally, emotionally. So I tried to maybe, you know, do something creative. Um, so I found a lady on Instagram that made these rainbows wall hangings and I emailed her and I told her my story and that I was trying to get back on my feet and if if she could maybe tell me how she made them because they were really beautiful and I noticed quite a lot on Instagram that people use these rainbows when they try and do their posts so I thought it'd be quite nice to make myself one yeah so um so she showed me how to do it and then I thought well try and give something back so I opened a, a small shop I mean it's not it's nothing special but it's um, a small online shop on Instagram and I sell them uh, sell through there um, and I've, I've been very lucky that um, I've been able to sell some and through that um, I thought well let's give back again and I donate some of the money um, to um, IVF Babble which is a social media page that I found about four years ago when I was first diagnosed with infertility and I found them very, very helpful. Yeah. Um, so I thought let's give let's give back to people that I give to us. So that sounds it sounds like a really positive source of um like catharsism and a way to like help you out of that foggy patch, like that feeling really low. Um it's a really positive thing to do giving back to the community and helping yourself in like a really like loving and creative way yeah yeah um it was the only I mean I couldn't watch television I could see the television but I couldn't focus I just couldn't focus at this point I think it was the hormones and I think I'd gone into a sort of depression and I just couldn't I couldn't focus on anything but I found with these rainbows I could and that's that's basically how I managed to get back to work and get back to being normal yeah whatever normal is well I think a rainbow is kind of like a motif of the IVF community as well isn't it as well as pineapples but it's a really like positive hopeful kind of symbol so that's a really nice thing to do yeah Uh, so um if you don't mind me asking like um you mentioned that you were quite poorly because of IVF um what how did you come to find out that you needed IVF So I'd gone for a routine appointment at the GP um, Mm -hmm. probably about six years ago. And she's just, you know, generally just said, oh, are you going to try and start a family? Yeah. And I said, well, we're trying, but we're not sort of like actively trying because I just thought the minute we came off contraception, bang, it would happen. Yeah. And so we just sort of went with the flow. Um, So she said, we'll give it a few months and see how it goes so I think I left it about 12 months and um, went back for something else for something else routine and she said oh I see that we'd had this conversation so she did a blood test and it showed that I didn't ovulate so I was straight up to um, our local hospital to the to the um, infertility um, department and it all snowballed and roller coasted from there really. Yeah that sounds like even though that's a really sad and difficult thing to go through it sounds like your GP was quite um proactive in supporting you like a lot of the time people have to put put up a, a bit of a fight kind of thing um how did you find that like was it a shock like how did you feel when you first found out um I was very shocked because I've I've always suffered with gynae problems since I was about 14 mm. so for me to have gone through the extreme pain and um 
the debilitating effects of periods. Um, I just assumed that yeah. I would get pregnant in a shop because I didn't really think life would be that cruel where you, yeah. where it, it resulted in not being able to get pregnant and and end up in that place really. So I found it, and even now, really, sort of quite a few years on, I struggle daily with that to yeah. um, to come to terms with that. I suppose, in a way, it, it's like a type of grief that for your body I don't know if that sounds weird but no. to grieve for yeah. what should have been and maybe if it had been managed a bit differently when I was a teenager um I might have been able to have had tests earlier on to have have shown that there was a problem um so in that respect I found it really difficult and I do feel like I've not, I've just been on this roller coaster of IVF and I had Clomid first for about 12 months, mm. um, which although I, I ovulated, um, I never I never had a positive pregnancy test. So yeah. I just feel like it's just been this big journey that I I feel as I've just been swept along really yeah. on it. Um, and yeah, like I said, I don't, feel as though I've actually really come to terms with it but you've just got to get on with it don't you to get that end result so I think I'm sure um you've probably validated quite a lot of people's feelings because I think grief is a common feeling in in this experience and obviously you've um you've felt that anyway um just through hearing that you weren't ovulating and having experienced that kind of um having that kind of dream and that idea in your head that it would be easy to conceive taken away from you but I just think once you get into the cycle of trying to trying to conceive whether it's naturally or through Clomid or through any sort of treatment every cycle you can't help but get hopeful so every month is a loss even if yeah even if nothing's happened because you're you're losing like a dream that's it and you know it's nobody nobody and this is something I feel very very passionate about nobody tells you about this in school nobody yeah. teaches you about fertility and about trying for a baby they're very quick to tell you how not to get pregnant and that you shouldn't get pregnant um and you know you routinely put on the pill as a child I was put on the pill because I had horrendous periods and I couldn't function as a teenager yeah. I, I really struggled in school um and I have done um for 26 years really yeah. and I just feel um it's all very well telling people not how to do something, but actually we should be educated on how, you know, in the, in the right circumstances, how to, you know, see the signs of infertility, you know. Um, so, I, you know, it, it's very hard to get pregnant when you look at how you're meant to get pregnant. There's only a, few, a small window every month to actually get pregnant for someone, you know, who doesn't have infertility. Yeah. So it's, a hundred times harder for us yeah um, I, I not really anybody there guiding us I completely agree with you the education system kind of fails a lot of people in fact not every girl in the in and and man in the system because we're made to fear getting pregnant rather than understanding the human body and how it works yeah yeah so um 
like coming down to you explaining about um your struggle with your periods and that 26 years you've been going through it is is that a condition you've been diagnosed with and you can share as much or as little as you like it's... yeah no I've I um I've never had a prof- well when I say professional I've never had a medical um professional professional um diagnose me with endometriosis or polycystic ovaries or anything like that I've been told I've got a fibroid but they've never been concerned about that. It's quite far behind my womb, so they don't they don't concern themselves with that. Um, it was only when I started having acupuncture about eighteen months ago, in preparation for my second IVF um, cycle, that she was the only person I'd ever seen who actually sat down with a pad of paper and asked me what my period was like. Yeah. Um, she wanted to know the ins and outs. I won't go into the graphic yeah, detail, yeah. but she wanted to know everything about it. And she just looked up and she said, when did you get diagnosed with endometriosis? Are you under treatment? And I said, I haven't got, I haven't got endometriosis. She said, you have. pretty sure yeah. you have. Yeah. Pretty sure you have. Um, and then when I started seeing a nutritionist after the second failed IVF cycle, um, the lady actually asked me again, what are your periods like? Yeah. And I told her and she said, oh, you've got endometriosis. I said, no. I said, but you're the second person now in as many months to to tell me that. So I think I've got some form of, I've got something yeah. inside that's not right, but I've never had a test. It's um, um... It's so sad that there's so many women across the country that do have this problem and and experience this pain every month and still they're not being supported and kind of overlooked and maybe gynecologists across the country don't know enough about it. I think it's kind of still that kind of mysterious kind of condition. Yeah, I mean, I was told when I was 14 when in the end it was getting to the point where I wasn't able to go to school um, for, I was continually fainting in school I was being sick in school and yeah. um, sorry to be graphic but I had yeah. very very severe diarrhea yeah. which in school in high school is just Unbearable. horrendous yeah. um, you know it was just and it was it was crippling me of my anxiety yeah. um the, the thought of you know having this awful pain and being ill in front of people um and as soon as I started fainting in school, my mum was like, this is just not normal. We need to get you sorted. Yeah. So I went to the GP and she spoke to me and explained and she just said, you know, welcome to being a woman. And, you know, I can help you. And, you know, here's the pill. My mum was mortified because I was yeah. only 40. She's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. But she said it will help with your period symptoms, which of course it did, but yeah. it just masked a huge problem. Yeah. Um, and with that, that's led to... I had a six-year period um, where I had severe pain um, down below. Um, I couldn't be intimate with my husband. Yeah. And that went on for six years. And they, again, they they eventually, I saw a GP who had a specialist interest in gynae. And she said, you've been on that pill far too long. You need to come off it. Yeah. But you just go every six months to get your blood pressure checked and get your next prescription because that's what, you're told and I, I was told it's just being a woman so I didn't yeah. know that what my pain was is completely not normal and yeah. what what I was um what was withdrawing from my body every month was far from normal um, yeah. and it wasn't until I started seeing my acupuncturist she couldn't believe it yeah 
it's horrific it's really sad I'm I'm so sorry that you've been on such a journey because <laughs> it's really hard to go through all that I wonder were your school supportive like of you having to have time off because I think that whole cycle of um not like fertility being an issue in schools and not being talked about and then obviously gynecologists not really knowing and GPs not knowing about periods um yeah was school the same or were they understanding? I don't really remember to be honest I think because I was a good student and I didn't you know if if I wasn't if I wasn't in school I would have been ill I wouldn't you know I wasn't one sort of playing true and so I think I don't think that really flagged um and my mum didn't really let it progress where I was having a lot of time off um but once I'd once I was starting to faint and it was getting more severe that was when she took me to the GP. Um, and again, it would only really last a couple of days. It was like the first three days of my period. Mm. And then I could cope again. So, you know, I wasn't off for massive periods of time, but I was off frequently, yeah. sort of every, you know, a couple of days a month. Um, I just really struggled. I couldn't really function. Yeah, sounds like a lot. Um, so following your 12 months of Clomid, you went on to have IVF. Was that like NHS funded? Were you... Lucky in yeah, so, yeah, so we're lucky. We've got a good CCG, and yeah. um, they have they have good um, well fertility fertility funding um, here. Yeah. So I was um, sent up to our local hospital um, for the Clomed, and then I was referred to a chest um, to Chester Clinic, and um, we started that cycle. But I put I put IVF off for quite a while. My husband's mum wasn't very well, mm. and I just didn't think we needed the added stress and pressure. Yeah. And um, I was following a celebrity at the time because yeah. she was having IVF, and her journey completely terrified me yeah. and put me off. And I and it took me a long time. And my best friend actually always comments, "Should you come so far, Sarah?" Because I remember going for a walk and we sobbed, and you know, you said, "I can't do it. I'm too frightened. I'm not strong enough." it's going to ruin our marriage and you know I think IVF gets quite a lot of bad press and negative press yeah so I put it off I thought well I've got I'm blessed with such a beautiful husband you know Mm. a baby would have added to our family I don't want to destroy something that's that's perfect you know so I put it off for a while and then um I took a leap of faith and I have to say I found IVF quite easy physically um I think the actual added hormones probably yeah. helped me um and I didn't find it painful the clinic was was really good yeah um and although it was it you know it didn't have I, I didn't result in a in a pregnancy yeah. um we I lost my embryo um quite early on mm. um but it in as much as a positive way can be it was it was a positive you know I, I didn't yeah. have any horrendous side effects yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's a really positive thing then, isn't it? Because like you say, it does get a bad rep and um, yeah. it can be really difficult. And um, you said you're quite poorly following your IVF. Is that like physically as well? Or was that just because it didn't work out? So I have... I say just, I don't mean just. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Um, so I, I, I had my first IVF in June 2020. So just right in the middle of the pandemic, the first mm-hmm. lockdown. And I, um, when we went back to the clinic, the consultant said, look, I think we should start trying straight away. You know, let's not beat around the bush. I think obviously, because my age isn't on our side, I would have been 38, 38 at the time. Mm. Um, So we started again um, and we tried a different drug. 
And again, I flew through that, but we yeah. got to the, the last scan before egg retrieval and I hadn't stimulated. Mm. And although it, it was an unlicensed dose, I was on the highest dose they could give me. I just didn't stimulate. Yeah. And then I didn't actually bleed for about 50, 55, 56 days. Wow. And then I just started a period and it just didn't stop for three months. I, I, we just couldn't control the bleeding. And I think with the drop of hormones, the loss of blood, um, that I think that's where the crash came. Yeah, that so sounds... me in, a, in, every, in every aspect. Yeah, that sounds such an ordeal, both physically and emotionally, like in so yeah. many ways. Like you sound, you're such a strong person to go through all that and talk about it and, you know, keep going with all the work that you're doing on your Instagram page and to keep sharing and talking to people in the community. It's a really honorable and kind thing to do. Thank you. Do you have any, um, do you have more chances on your NHS rounds or are they kind of? No, so we, um, we, we've used all our NHS um, funding now. Um, there was a bit of a mix up with the third cycle um, because I didn't go to work retrieval I didn't have the, the, the sedation and the, and the operation. They don't class that as a cycle. So I was mm-hmm. able to have a third one, which I had last year, which was funded. Yeah. And then I had an eggless egg collection, um, which was really hard. Yeah. And because I'd been I'd been given a lot of um like testosterone treatment to try and up my AMH, yeah. which it did, it doubled. Um, but obviously it didn't result in, in any egg retrieval. Yeah. Because um we'd sort of been mistreatment planned a little. Um when we sort of asked questions and um, they said, well, they will fund another bog standard IVF um, to make up for the, the treatment that we've been promised, but we couldn't have um, yeah. on the second, on the third cycle. So we've got some funding, um, but they won't do IVF with me again. Um, our only option is an egg donor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> sure, I'm really sure that however, it comes to pass like everything will be right for you and you'll feel really positive like it's amazing that you're doing so much wonderful stuff for the community what I was going to say is um obviously with your Instagram the amazing shop that you've got on there to do your um rainbow kind of um keepsakes display lovely little rainbows they're for sale and you do like you said you donate you donate you donate money to IVF Babble to support them you've also got an event coming up do you want to just tell us quickly a little bit about that before we go yeah so um I was I turned 40 in January and I was gonna have a party yeah well done (laughs) I thought none none of us have had a party for years you know let's try and come out of this pandemic you know positive let's have a party and then obviously once we came out of Christmas, it didn't really feel appropriate that yeah. the, the news had risen. So I cancelled it and um, and I really wanted to do something this year. And I thought instead of celebrating a birthday, um, you know, it's a number. Yeah. I thought let's try and have a charity event and try and raise some money for this charity and yeah. try and help as many women as we possibly can. Because I think for me, with my journey if I could help one woman or young girl not go through the pain, mm. suffering, the the trauma and the and the journey that I've had to go on and women my age and our generation, then I don't feel as though my journey's not been for anything. And I just yeah. you know, if I had all the money in the world and I could, you know, 
campaign and go into schools and talk to girls and support them and help them and you know I I would because I I do I just didn't want my journey to be for nothing and it to be a negative thing and I I do feel as though there's all things are sent to us and I do believe something good will come out of this in the end for me but if I can prevent a lady going through what I went through and maybe getting treatment sooner or not having to go through the pain that I did growing up then I feel as though that's that's a that's a positive thing to have come out of it absolutely you're a real champion it's amazing that you're (laughs) doing so much for so many other people like especially when you've been through so much um yeah it's been really lovely to talk to you Sarah and um on our Instagram and in this kind of um, podcast link, we'll share a little link maybe to your to the tickets for that event. Yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah, everyone's welcome. Yeah, coming up at the end of April, isn't it? And it, it sounds... is. Yeah, the twenty third of April. We've got um, fabulous live music. My nephew's a musician, so he's he's playing. Um, we've got a disco, lovely food, amazing raffles. We've got yeah. some really amazing local small businesses that have. Um, come together and donated some fantastic prizes um, which I feel really blessed for because obviously I don't think there's many infertility charities and but actually a lot of people that I have reached out to with regards to raffle prizes they either know somebody or they've been through it or they're going through it and unfortunately it's a lot more common than maybe it's discussed in the media and talked about within friendship groups and so, you know, even just that in itself to yeah. get that word out is is going to be positive. So. Yeah, definitely. It sounds amazing. Absolutely amazing. And and like you said, just getting it spoken about and less taboo and more common knowledge, the better. Yeah. So you, you're doing such wonderful work. And I'm, I really am grateful that you're in this community and you're doing what you're doing because there's so many people who are and will benefit from it in the future. So well done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Becky. It's been really lovely to talk to you so um thank you so much for coming on and um i hope to see you at the event coming up yeah Um, (laughs) yeah, and we'll see you soon thank you oh thank you take care bye so thank you again to sarah for coming on to the show and sharing her experiences with us um it was really interesting talking to her because it's a completely different journey to anything we've experienced. I'm really nice because it's we've... kind of like half in and half out, and it? it's like she's known she's got a pretty good indication that something wasn't right, but never fully yeah. diagnosed, which is kind I of. I feel like weird. she's been let down in a way by yeah. the NHS as much as I love it. But they haven't diagnosed her with it now, though. Yeah, she's still undiagnosed, and I think that's the case. I for wanted a to lot ask you that. Maybe we can text her or whatever yeah. afterwards. Can you message her now? Um, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> what I wanted to ask, if you message her and, we, and she replies, then we yeah. can put it in. If she doesn't, then it doesn't matter. But I wanted to ask, like, since, you know, since she had those issues overall, whatever, has anyone actually, even now, after the IVF rounds that they've had, like, kind of noted on a record or, like, even said that, like, you have some kind of, you know, endro... Med- oh, what do you call it? Medu- Endometriosis. Yeah. Has she? Because for the for the things that happened, mm. that not to produce eggs or whatever, yeah, that has to be from something, right? Um, I'm not sure. 
I think that's where it comes down to uh, unexplained infertility. So sometimes they just but don't have an answer. But all the symptoms from the earlier stuff. Yeah. Sure, like, like Endometriosis to... definitely makes it difficult to conceive, but I don't think it necessarily... It's not a certainty that you don't ovulate from it. No, that's... No, but is it... Is it... Like, if it was me, I'd really want to know if I've had it. Yeah. Just to know. Yeah. So it'd be interesting for us to seek out some a gynecologist or a specialist who yeah. knows about endometriosis. If anyone knows of one, yeah, or you are one, so that we can maybe quiz them a little bit, yeah, like or just drop us a, a message on Insta or YouTube and wherever. ask them why on earth it is that so many people across the UK aren't diagnosed and suffer for a long time, yeah. um, and just get put on the pill. And that was what was really difficult. Well, that's changing now, though. It'll take like ten years or fifteen years Longer, for it to maybe. change. Yeah, but um. The amazing thing is that Sarah is so, you know, strong and, um, like, just amazing for doing what she does in the community and supporting other people. Like, what a woman. We didn't probe too much. Well, I didn't. I was literally doing technical stuff, just making sure everything went going. But from the sounds of it, she said she didn't dwell on it too. Like, she didn't sort of paint go into it too much. But she she said she was really low and really bad. But just... That they're just words, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the she actual experience like of that really, is probably really difficult time. A lot worse. You can say, "Oh, I was really down for a year yeah. or two and that doesn't do any justice yeah. to it. Yeah. It's really, and I think it's eye-opening. I mean, I've been through really dark times as well, but I don't think I've ever had to deal with as much as um, Sarah has, and it really, hopefully, will open up lots of people's experiences and understanding of IVF and infertility and what it can do to you mm. mentally and emotionally and, and she's physically. done something positive with it as yeah. well because there's only so much like what a hero just to put herself yeah so- but it's I mean it's also good for her yeah because being negative all the time is like just not healthy at all amazing and even that event that she's got coming up um I know nothing like, about that so she's Sarah's got an event coming up um, on Wirral, if anybody up there wants to go to it, it's at the end of April. I'll share the link and the details to that too. Um, <clears throat> so that, she explained, was as a celebration. Instead of her 40th birthday, which she wanted to kind of celebrate in the beginning of the year, um, she decided to put on a charity event for IVF Babble to raise money for the community and um, give a bit back, which is amazing. Um, so there's going to be live music, food, all that sort of thing, which I just think is... It's a lot of hard work to put on a big event like that. And I'm trying to think, I'm trying to be careful. Well, I don't need to be careful, but and she's not there yet yeah with her journey and yeah. she's going to be surrounded by loads of people that have been yeah and we've i'm trying to be mindful of myself but at the same time like fuck it like we're in a good place at the yeah. moment, so i'm going to enjoy it because I mean, we've had such a long time it of takes not... so much strength and she's so noble in just supporting so many people through it and just what she said like echoing what she said sarah wants to hopes that if like she doesn't have the outcome she did, she wants or hoped for that the one thing she hopes comes out of her experience is that someone else doesn't go through it so yeah. all of that raising money and awareness is really like she doing said, a though, lot of good like you said before like she's not completely happy with I don't want to put words in her mouth but from what I kind of got from the last bit is that she wasn't completely totally cool with 
like the what they've got to do egg donor wise and stuff yeah which is fine but then i think she's been quite smart about it because she's like but at the same time we can't mess around we got to get going and i didn't ask because i wasn't on a mic but i kind of wanted to say do you feel like when you when you're at the end Mm. baby's here that it might change and i got a feeling that it will yeah, like, I think there's lots of people. In... You feel one way before, yeah, and then after you're like, yeah, ah, fuck it, this is fine. Yeah, definitely. I I think it's, but it's definitely difficult to come to terms with the fact that your your dream. She's pragmatic about it though. She's like, yeah. yeah, I know this is how I feel now, but I can't mess around. We just got to get on with it, which yeah. is a good attitude to have. Yeah, because sometimes you nothing you're gonna have to deal with stuff that you don't yeah. really one hundred percent agree with. Yeah. Um, so it was good to have her on. Mm-hmm. So any other exciting news? No other news, really. I'm going to keep on looking for guests. And uh, we wish Sarah and her husband all the hope and luck for the next part of their journey, whatever the outcome is. Um, but yeah, for the next episode, I guess we might tell you we've got a midwife appointment coming up. Um, I think I've told you a little bit more about the extra scans that I have to have. So we'll talk about them. And uh and maybe some of the baby stuff, like actual, like, mm-hmm. oh, dear, we better get stuff sorted because yeah. we've got a baby coming. I looked not on, in a bad way. But I did look on the app the other day, and I'm more pregnant than I am not pregnant, if that makes sense. So it's like 40 weeks gestation, and I'm over halfway. So it's less Just. time now until we see the baby than it is that we've waited to see. That is mad because it doesn't feel like it yeah. that long ago it's it like happened. 18, 17 That's the thing about weeks. IVF. It's, it's, wait, it's waiting, 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 then yeah. gone. Yeah. And everyone keeps on saying, wow, it's going so fast. You know, considering lots of our close friends and family knew from the beginning, um, it has gone really quickly. So. Yeah. And we, we announced our pregnancy to everyone we know via the podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Um. um and because of social media and YouTube and everything like that, you need to leave a little bit of mystery. Mm. That's just the way it is. You know how it is. Don't judge <laughs> us. So we did that. And then obviously people listened and, uh, you know, listened to it and then commented on the video where it was posted. So I think we're probably going to do the obligatory. I hope that's the right word. Obligatory. Yeah. Uh, like scan picture thing. Oh, so yeah. people that don't give a shit about the podcast will know as well because otherwise you'd go, oh, what's this random video of <laughs> Becky doing? Yeah. So. But we have got a little clip that shows that we're pregnant as well that you shared on your Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that. Thanks, Cokes. Thanks for ruining the sound for us <laughs> for your little kitten pause. Um, Coco's just really <laughs> impatient because she wants to oh, go for she's a walk. So <laughs> Um, so yeah anyway back to fixing everything that is broken yeah house back to walking the dog I think she's telling us that this is the episode over and done with (laughs) tip tap tip tap let's go Um, yeah make sure you uh, follow us wherever you do and like us and engage with us tell us what you like tell us what you don't like and leave a comment on the YouTube channel and And it helps us like if any of the issues that we talked about today like um, egg donation endometriosis unexplained infertility um, chronic debilitating periods if any of that has affected you before then uh, feel free to start a conversation about it because it's important that we that everyone talks about it more Mm -hmm. yeah so have a lovely day we'll see you soon bye bye (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.